0: Season four, episode one. Woo-hoo! The world has stopped to take notice of the entrance to season four. No Welcome, doubt. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. So we're coming to you today mostly from Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of the National Association of Strength and Conditioning. They often call me to get tips uh, that they can share <laughs> With, with others, well, maybe they. I'm never sorry, that wasn't
1: me. funny. I shouldn't yeah. be laughing. <laughs> no, it was funny. Uh, so <laughs> uh, there's so many things going through my mind right now that I shouldn't say.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't. You're right. I'm Terry, Church Ministries leader for the Alliance.
1: And I'm Alan with my now shortened title to introduce uh, the Director of Multiplication Eastern PA. I've just gotten too tired saying my whole, all the things that I do. So this is what I do mostly, and I love doing it with my team. I do
0: want to point out that he has not been released from his other role as the Regional Coordinator for the Northeastern United States, blah, 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 blah.
1: (laughs) I'm just (laughs) trying to save time on the podcast, Terry. You're not helping.
0: Uh, I know, I know. With us also is uh, Caitlin Guyberson, our trusty uh, producer known as The Laugh Track, living up to her nickname. How are you, Caitlin?
2: I'm good. It's good to be back for season four. Great to it have you in
0: season four. You know, if people like listening to this half as much as we like doing it, then they really like it because we love doing this. We really love doing this. We have a lot of fun, but we get a lot of great content. You know, often we get off of these interviews and say, wow, that was so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, God is providing good guests for us, and we really appreciate it. Speaking of which, today we're going to be hearing from Scott Salls. Uh, Alan, you're a little more familiar with Scott than I am, so uh, what do you know about Scott? What do you like about Scott?
1: I am. uh, Scott is the pastor of Christ Presbyterian in Nashville, uh, and I've really appreciated his uh, gospel focus, uh, and particularly... Uh, he has written two books recently, uh, one called Irresistible Faith and another called A, a Gentle Answer, and uh, both are, I've, I've found both very helpful for believers to live in a polarized culture with the grace of Jesus. Uh, I first stumbled across him because he's a colleague, a former colleague of Tim Keller Redeemer in New York City uh, before he went to Nashville and uh, have been listening and and reading since I found that out. And uh, I think our listeners today are going to be super encouraged by the way he will help them and help them help the people in their churches live with the gentleness uh, of the Spirit that can make our faith irresistible in a polarized culture.
0: Very good. So uh, we're going to jump into the interview here. So grab yourself a YooHoo chocolate soda never hate that stuff. oh man no you're
1: so- fired alan
0: I-, I did get one one time that was uh expired and that wasn't Oof. too good but i love it otherwise don't drink it very often though anyway grab yourself a yuzu chocolate soda sit back relax here we go <laughs>
2: Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn
1: in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community. Or
2: you can go to equipping you.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you
0: community. We can't wait to see you there. Well, it's our privilege to uh, welcome to equipping you podcast, uh, Scott Saul. Scott? great to have you with us. Thanks for uh, taking the time out today to speak with us. It's good to be with you all. Thanks, Terry. So we like to get to know our guests uh, a little bit. So if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit about your family, your your life journey, your current ministry, we'd love to love to get to know you.
2: Sure. So I uh, celebrated my 25th Anniversary, married to Patty, my wife, just yesterday. Congratulations! Congratulations. Uh, yeah, Congratulations. thank you, thank you. And and uh, just recently, our oldest daughter Abby graduated uh, with an international studies degree from University of South Carolina. She's currently interviewing uh, with with various nonprofits for uh, future employment. Uh, what? And what, what uh, was our, her
0: title? What was her uh, Major again? I uh,
2: International her. studies. Yeah, okay, her, thank her special focus is Middle Eastern immigrants and refugees. Right. Uh, yeah. And then our youngest daughter Ellie just started her freshman year at Auburn University in uh, Auburn, Alabama, and so we're uh, it's just the two of us, Patty and I, uh, now, and so we're we're uh, you know uh, enjoying uh, our, our newfound. Uh, uh, ability to be more spontaneous while also um, feeling very sad that our our girls uh, are moving into adulthood but but uh, we're, we're very proud of them but uh, grew up in uh, in a typical american middle class middle class home and not not in church didn't grow up in church didn't become a christian until uh, my later years of college we've been in ministry for Gosh! Since 1996, ordained ministry, and before then, I I, I started vocational ministry in 1992. Uh, 1992, I think. No, 1990 uh, in uh, youth ministry, and so so I've been Ooh. in ministry uh, vocationally since that time. And we planted a couple of churches. Been uh, we've served in Kansas City, St. Louis, New York City, and now Nashville for the last day. Well, with two
0: girls in Southeastern Conference schools, it seems Uh, to me like you could have gotten one into the University of Florida. Go Gators! uh, (laughs) Your turn, Alan.
1: Uh, Yeah, all right. Uh, So, you know, what motivated us to have you on the podcast was really your last two books, uh, Irresistible Faith and A Gentle Answer, because they really help us see how the gospel equips us (laughs) to be people who can be people of grace in this kind of polarized culture that's all around us. What prompted you to write these books in the first place?
2: Well, the two uh, books were written, I think with different concepts and ideas in in mind. Irresistible Faith is really just our, our church's blueprint for, uh, for holistic discipleship. Uh, It's kind of a, a, a heart community world uh, sort of book. Uh, What is, life before god life with one another life together and and life out in the world look like for uh people who uh are desiring to follow jesus in every area of life and a gentle answer on the other hand which is my my latest book which was just released a couple months ago is um is my book on um it's basically Uh, built around Proverbs 15 1 which says a gentle answer turns away wrath and it was it was born out of a burden for I think what we all see and experience on some level and that is the the increasing polarization of uh, especially American culture, but also global uh, society at large and uh, You know the emergence of things like cancel culture and call-out culture us against them, and, and of course, 2020 being uh, an election year that promises to be ugly and contentious. Uh, a gentle answer is an effort to paint a vision for what it looks like for Christians or what it can look like for Christians to live in, in, in the midst uh, faithfully and humbly uh, and compellingly in the midst of a, of a culture that seems to be tur- turning in on itself and, and to be mm-hmm. a force for good instead of just entering into the fray of of all that's not so great.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, thank you for that.
0: So uh, my wife and I cut the cord on cable when we moved to Colorado Springs a couple years ago. And so COVID hit and I thought, well, I need to keep up with the news a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So Uh, subscribe to Sling TV so we can Mm. get CNN and MSN Mm. and and, uh, Fox. And so I I wanted to hear the news, and now I can hardly stand to listen to any of it because we're so polarized uh, in our nation. Mm. And so I'm particularly interested in the role of God's people, the role of the church in the midst of that. What does this polarized country need from... Uh,
2: the church of Jesus Christ at this time? I think sanity. Um, <laughs> what a novel uh, idea. <laughs> a, a kind, humble, thoughtful presence, which, which I think enables and, and gives people who have a kind, humble, thoughtful presence the moral authority to speak in to things that are going wrong. There are a lot of things that are going wrong. There are a lot of injustices in the world and in American society that need to be spoken to. But I think the difference between what the world experiences and what the world needs right now is, right now we have people attacking people. And, and what we really need is people attacking problems, mm. not people. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and bringing people along side uh, to attack problems together. So I think there's some examples of that uh, out in the world, but it's unfortunately rare. And and we also need Christians to get away from from the polls in, in, in political discussions and debates and arguments. And when I say the polls, I mean the polarized polls, <laughs> the far left and the far right. Christians need to get away from both. Uh, that doesn't mean we all need to become political moderates, but it, it means we need to stop participating in in the outrage and cultivate the spirit's fruit of love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control in our posturing uh, to have bigger ears ears that are bigger than our mouths to be quick to listen and slow to speak uh, and when we speak uh to, to to make sure that that we don't contribute we're not contributing to inflammatory speech but 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 to be measured and thoughtful and full of grace and truth, um, you know, prophetic and priestly. As we consider, as Romans tells us, the kindness and the severity of God. Um, You know, this is really his world to run. It's his world to control, not Mm. ours. And our, our, our job is to faithfully and humbly follow him and leave the outcomes to him.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. We, we definitely need more of the ands. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we like, it seems to be we like the oars. And, and That's I think a good you, way to put it. Yeah, you, you, you started going down this road a little bit in the second part of your answer there. But let me ask this question, maybe this way slightly different. What do you think makes our current faith resistible? Or like in the words of Luke, what keeps us from having favor with all the people?
2: I mean, in the current climate we've given people very little reason to believe that there's any difference between our faith and our politics oh. uh that the two are one and the same uh that uh and in fact that, that perhaps it's our politics that define our faith rather than our faith that defines our politics mm-hmm. uh and i think i think you know the, the whole grace and truth thing that that we were just talking about a second ago uh, can be wonderfully demonstrated if if Christians in mass would um, be willing to start affirming some things about political parties that they don't support, and to start critiquing some things about political parties that they do support. Mm. And th- there are Christians that are on the right, and there are Christians on the left. Uh, and I I, I I think that, that if we really are serious about what jesus said regarding himself that he is the king of kings and lord of lords and that besides him there is no other and that his kingdom is not of this world he actually ran away from the opportunity to be crowned an earthly king and a governing authority he ran away from that he said my kingdom's not of this world and my followers are going to render unto caesar what belongs to caesar and unto god what belongs to god I think when, we, when we're following Christ, um, we don't we, we we lose our our defenses about whatever political party we're a part of, and we're willing to self-critique, uh, and and we're also willing to concede perhaps what another political party is doing better uh, than the party that we support. Um, for instance, just around life issues. Uh, you know, one side of the political continuum gives a heavy emphasis on the protection and dignity, uh, and advocacy for the unborn, the vulnerable unborn. That is a principle that comes directly from scripture: uh, that 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 uh, He knit us together in our mother's womb. Uh, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, before he was born uh, in his mother mother's womb. We, we, you know, one political side is really good at that uh, and the other side often tends to overlook that gospel virtue but then if you flip it uh one side uh the the other side tends to demonstrate more concern for vulnerable immigrants and refugees and ethnic minorities uh and the other side is known uh to take maybe a more dismissive uh, uh, or unaware posture about those segments of the human community. And so that presents just by itself for a Christian, uh, the ability to both affirm and critique um, emphases that, that, that are happening on both sides of the political continuum. And I probably made some of your listeners upset, and uh, <laughs> I'm okay, okay. with I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, they, they have you know, your they don't have your email address. They have ours. <laughs> uh, I know. You're well, safe. You're uh, safe. Uh, <laughs> well, my email address is public, so, uh, <laughs> so it's on our website. Uh, yeah, but it goes you. to me. But but the the point being this, I I believe based on a as unbiased of a reading of scripture as we can possibly have, you know, uh, uh, and we all go into re- as scripture with our biases, right? You can have a a church in one zip code of your town, everybody says they believe the Bible one hundred percent, and everybody's a Democrat, and and I can't fathom being a Christian and a Republican at the same time. They just don't see how that can work. And then you can go to another zip code in your city, everybody believes the Bible, and everybody's a Republican, and they can't fathom how somebody could call themselves a Christian and a Democrat. And so, so we've got these biases that 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 that, that we bring into our reading of Scripture and our understanding of the world and politics. Um, that, that's formed by our life experiences and by our by our biases and and so on and you know what the gospel calls us to do is to be willing to to hold all of that up to the lord with an open hand Amen. to scrutiny we don't scrutinize the scriptures the scriptures scrutinize us we've got to ask the Amen. bible to read us when we're reading the bible good word we've got to ask the bible hmm. to dissect us like as we dissect the words of scripture to, to, to learn it better. And, and I believe that the outcome for somebody who's taking a humble, objective approach to the scriptures is eventually you are going to be regarded as too liberal for your conservative friends and too conservative for your liberal friends. Yes. And you will have conservative yeah. and liberal friends. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and so, um, yeah, now it's easier said than done, but, yeah. but, I, I think Christ He stands above human systems, and so you know there's always going to be something to affirm and something to critique in every system that's created by human beings. And God created government, but human beings created politics and mess government up by creating politics.
1: I've often wondered if Jesus had maybe you know had both uh, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector mm-hmm. in His twelve on purpose, just for something like this because he saw this would be a problem, not just in mm. our culture, but in every culture.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great observation, Matthew and Simon. Uh, you know, one was a big government guy, uh, the tax collector, and the other was a no government guy, uh, the zealot, which is mm-hmm. sort of the uh, ancient Middle East version of, of a libertarian and, and um, you know, even more conservative than Republicans. And, and yeah. those two, it's, it, isn't it striking that we don't have a record of either one of them leaving his uh, political affiliation. So there's nothing wrong with affiliating with a party. Um, we also have no record of a, of a political spat between uh, Matthew and Simon, even though there were a lot, there was a lot of bickering going on. Uh, we know between the disciples uh, in the gospels, but but there's no record of a spat between those two. Yeah. And the only gospel writer that highlights the fact that Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a zealot is Matthew. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? So I I think your insight about about the intentionality of the Lord selecting opposites. And you could add to that Paul's intentionality of, of calling Jews and Gentiles to come together and of starting most of his letters with the words, grace and peace to you. One is a Jewish salutation, another is a Gentile salutation or a Greek salutation. It's like he's saying, um, you know, Jew and Gentile to you, uh, progressive and conservative to you, um, you know, Trump and Biden to you (laughs) from God, our father
1: and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's good stuff. Thanks. Appreciate that.
0: So we've talked about polarization certainly being a part of our culture. We'd like to say it's not a part of the church, but we know it is a part of the church unfortunately, and it seems to me like over the last several months, the churches had more to disagree on or found more to disagree on than ever before. So, uh, you know, COVID, is it, you know, really serious or not serious, wear masks or don't mask, meet or don't meet, Uh, uh, and then the whole flare-up of racism, and, um, you know, is that real, and, and, uh, or, you know, is it, Marxist cause, if we start speaking to that issue, we hear both sides of the fence on that. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: uh, the political, this is a political year, presidential election year. So, left and right, and uh, perhaps more in our circles, those who uh, love the president and almost use support of him as a litmus test for your Christianity versus those who are way more hesitant and perhaps critical of the president. So, all of these things you know, tugging us apart, why do you think living the grace and truth of Jesus in community with other believers
2: is such a challenge for the church today? Because of pride, Mm. Uh, because of the Pharisee spirit as Jesus described it in Luke 18 9, uh, where it describes people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on other people with contempt. Um, for people who uh, were fixated on the specs in other people's eyes and ignored the planks in their own, we want a lot of grace for ourselves, but but are very unwilling to extend that same grace to to people who might not agree with us on this or that. Yeah, um, yeah, you know Kathy Keller, who's uh, married to Tim Keller, that you know my mentor and uh, former colleague and. Uh, from from new york she says uh she says that the natural religion of the human heart uh when um when either unaided by christ or uh forgetting christ the natural religion of the human heart is self-righteousness uh where we're always Mm going to default to trying to get the upper hand in these types of conversations and and you know, creating uh, us-them scenarios and declaring who the enemy is and separating the world between the good people and the bad people. Well, Jesus doesn't separate the world that way. Uh, we're all bad people except him. Who of us would say we don't need the saving work of Christ, right? Yeah. But Christ doesn't separate the world between the good people and the bad people like we do. He separates the world between the proud and the humble. Mm. And because he separates the proud and the, and the humble— as opposed to the good people and the bad people, you've got a bad tax collector going home justified and a good Pharisee going home condemned uh, in the parable that follows, Luke 18, 9, of the parable and the tax collector and the, the Pharisee. And so we, we've got to stop hanging our hat on our own perceived virtue. And, you know, remember that we have a lot more in common uh, with the sinners that we are most likely to condemn and look down upon than we do with Jesus Christ. Uh, When push comes to shove, we're a lot closer to uh, closer to what's wrong with them than we are to what's right with him. Mm. He's perfect. And we're very, very far from perfect, but we're not very far from sinfulness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good word. Good word. That's good. I love that division that you, the way you painted that there, that's really helpful. Another kind of, Maybe I don't want to call it, use that overword, I use polarization, but compartmentalization for God's people is we tend to have this, that we put work in a separate category of our lives. But you talk about how we can be very irresistible in our faith if we embrace our work as mission. Uh, can you just kind of unpack? It sounds like that's part of your church's mission. Uh, so unpack that for our listeners. Yes, we, we actually
2: founded an organization out of our church called the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work. If anybody wants to look that up, it's nifw.org dot um, Just to get a sense of of what uh, what NIFW is doing, but yes, we believe that um, if if people spend anywhere between forty and sixty hours a week doing something that their Christianity should be all over it. <laughs> and, and yeah. um, you know, as Dorothy Sayer says, uh, the, the greatest failure of the local church in the 20th century, and she wrote as a 20th century writer, uh, she said the greatest failure of the church in the 20th century is separating vocation from spirituality. Wow. Um, remember, we're created in the image of a God, uh, you know, who, you know, the very first thing he revealed about himself is that he's a worker. In the beginning, God created. Uh, that's the very first words of the Bible. And the very first chapters of the Bible tells us how he went about his work, and then he created man and woman and put them in a garden. And the first great commission was not to go out into the world and make disciples. The first great commission was to tend God's garden, to, to cultivate the earth. And that's what he gave to Adam and Eve and and by extension to the rest of the human race. And the second great commission was to go into all the world and make disciples. And part of what disciples do is they obey the First and the Second Great Commission. And so this is really more about seeing our work as spiritually significant, no matter what our work is. Uh, I, I try to tell our people as often as we can at Christ Presbyterian that, that they are just as much called by God into their vocations, uh, you know, attorneys, musicians, professional athletes, landscapers, sanitation workers, uh, stay-at-home parents, um, you are just as much called by God to your vocation as I am to mine. Uh, and essentially what that means is every, every work that we do that involves creative endeavors or redemptive, restorative endeavors, either we're, we're creating something that, 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 that adds value to the world and adds value to the human experience, or we are restoring something that's broken, or someone that's broken, or a place or an institution that's broken, we're doing the work of God, because that's what God does. He creates and he restores, and, and he puts us in the world as extension of, of, of those aspects of his mission to so love the world. Remember Jesus was a carpenter before he was an evangelist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish I could be more like Jesus in that way. I'm not
0: very good with woodworking. Uh, you and me both, Fred. <laughs> I'll join the party. <laughs> so uh, Jesus described himself as being gentle and humble in heart. And yet, when you look around at all of us, you could say that gentleness may be the most overlooked fruit of the Spirit. Uh, why, why do you think this is the case, Scott?
2: Well, it can be the most overlooked. Uh, uh, I don't know if it always is the most overlooked. I think there are some wonderful examples of gentleness. But to embody the Spirit's fruit of gentleness, uh, we, are, we are required to uh, go off of both offense and defense in our, in our interactions with other people. In other words, we, we have to be vulnerable. Uh, we, have to be, we have to be vulnerable people, just as Christ, uh, the, the great humble king, made himself vulnerable. Part of, you know, what it, what it means to be gentle is to make yourself vulnerable. And, and that doesn't mean to be a doormat. That doesn't mean to be codependent or dysfunctional or to enable bad behavior in others, because you know, faithfulness and truth telling, those are, those all come from the spirit as well. But the the fruit of gentleness, there's this diffusing sort of reconciling quality to it. Um, And, and basically, I I think, I think what it looks and feels like in, let's say in conflict, which is where we're most tempted to put aside gentleness is in conflict. What gentleness looks like is a desire and an interest in listening carefully, in order to understand where the other person is coming from before passing any sorts of judgments or making any sorts of assessments Uh, and in our judgments and assessments, if, if maybe I've, let's say you've got a problem with me, um, because you know, I don't know. Um, I've got a bad temper. Uh, but, but, but when you're challenging me on that, because you're a gentle person, you're attacking my, you know, my bad attitude without attacking me. Uh, In other words, you're trying to win me over to join you in attacking my bad attitude. Um, That's very different than just saying, you are your bad attitude. You know, you are a jerk. You are, um, you know, whatever you are. You are a coward, you are a this. Uh, Whereas gentleness would say, oh, You know it really hurts me that you talk this way and i think it i think it hurts you that you talk this way can we talk about that together but that's that's vulnerable that's vulnerable because it it says i still want to be your friend to somebody Mm -hmm. who may attack you (laughs) for for having the audacity to point out that maybe they need to grow and Mm -hmm. and so it it feels risky and maybe maybe that's why we're maybe we're just scared scared Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable we're, we're more scared to be vulnerable with people than we are with God. And and that's probably a legitimate thing. You know, David, David's, you know, God gave David some choices for consequences after he sinned. And one of the consequences, you know, do you want to, do you want to come under the judgment of God or do you want to come under the judgment of people? And he said, Oh, I'd much rather come under the judgment of God than people mm-hmm. because you're fair and just and people are vicious. And, and, <laughs> And sometimes God's in the business, at least in the Old Testament, of using people uh, who are more evil than Israel to, to, to discipline Israel, uh, like like Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon or or, or Assyria. They're, they're worse than Israel is, and and yet God says these are my chosen instruments. And so I think it's much easier to to receive correction from a holy, perfect, loving God than it is from unholy, imperfect, and sometimes unloving fellow human beings. So maybe that's part
1: of it. Mm. Good words. Appreciate that. You know, I I think one of my favorite lines from your uh, Gentle Answer book is that the way of the gentle answer is to be among the least offensive and least offendable people in the world. Talk to us for a moment, you know, of how the gospel and what Jesus has done for us makes this possible.
2: Well, if the gospel is true, uh, then it's also true that, that we are completely forgiven of everything wrong in us, past, present, and future. We've been, it's all been taken care of uh, at the cross of Christ and in the saving work of, of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. So there's, as Romans says, there's no condemnation toward us for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, so we're completely forgiven, but we're also declared completely blameless or completely righteous in in the sight of God. Um, not because of, of righteous things we've done, uh, but because of His mercy, as the Scripture says, uh, and because the the righteous life of Christ, the perfect life of Christ, has been credited to us. He took the blame for our for our failure to live up to God's standards, and He gives us the credit for his success uh, at living up to God's standards. And so we're declared and regarded and treated as righteous and blameless, even in our worst moments and even on our worst days, by the God who sees us, not through our works, but through Christ. And we're completely loved because we're, we're united with Christ. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. And that means that in the sight of the Father, everything that is true of Jesus is also true of us, uh, in terms of belonging, in terms of being a beloved child who he will never let go and never leave and never forsake. Um, you know, Brennan Manning, you know, one of my favorite Catholic, Catholic writers, uh, who writes very much like a healthy Protestant uh, sometimes, uh, you know, in this justification by faith doctrine, uh, he says, define yourself radically as one who is beloved by God because every other identity is an illusion. Mm. And if we're able to see ourselves in that way, if we're able to see ourselves as God sees us through Christ, um, it's going to be really hard to hurt our feelings, you guys, because, or at least it's going to be hard to, to, to offend us or, or turn us into jerks. Because we've been given a grace that's far beyond what we deserve and far beyond what we can even fathom. Uh, it's so good and so sweet. And so um so yeah, the, the parable of the unmerciful servant is a really good, you know, perspective there. That that the servant is forgiven this massive amount of 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 debt. And then he's confronted with a fellow servant who owes him a significant, but, but also much sig- significantly lesser debt than what he's been forgiven. And, you know, the conclusion of the parable is, look, you've been forgiven this much. Shouldn't you also forgive a much smaller amount of, of offense against you? And I, I, I think it's about perspective.
0: So, Scott, we've talked about some of the things that are happening in our culture. We've talked about the church. We've talked about this whole idea of gentleness. In a practical way, what does gentleness look like in the current culture of the U.S.?
2: Hmm, Mr. Rogers. Huh? <laughs> you guys remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Just watched so, the movie a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am so thrilled that Mr. Rogers is popular again, yeah. and and I wonder. I'm not a sociologist, so I don't really know why, but but. But I, I have to think that part of why he is so popular is that his his gentleness, his gentle demeanor, is such a refreshing counter to the lack of gentleness that we experience day after day uh, in contemporary society. I think I think the world longs for kindness and. And so I, I think it looks like, it looks like that, May, maybe in a little bit less nerdy way, maybe in a little bit less, you know, this or that, but, but in certain contexts, but, but I think there's really something to be learned there from the question, why is Mr. Rogers such a big deal again that Tom Hanks would take the role? You know what I mean? Like that's right, that right. says something significant about what's going on in people's hearts right now.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, the like thing that. about Mr. Rogers is that that his gentleness was driven by by the pain of being treated with a lack of gentleness. He was he was bullied as a child uh, for being overweight, and his peers called him Fat Fred. And the the grown-ups didn't defend him from his peers, bullying him for his you know, body image struggles, and he he essentially made a vow that that as far as it depended on him, uh, no child would be made to feel like he was made to feel when he was a child, uh, and that was the fuel. His pain was the fuel behind his kindness, and so may, maybe there's some there's a message in there somewhere for the people of Jesus. Good hmm. word, Scott. We really appreciate you
0: what you've said to us today uh great stuff that we need to hear in the midst of a lot of a lot of reasons to disagree and i think what you're saying should unite us around uh, the person of jesus christ who exemplifies all of these Mm -hmm. attitudes and characteristics that we as his people need to be uh, need to be demonstrating Mm -hmm. so thanks so much for speaking into this uh, culture and speaking into the church during these days and for taking the time to be on Equipping You podcast today. We really appreciate
2: it. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you, Alan and Terry. Thank you. You are
1: more than welcome. It was truly a pleasure to be with you. We look forward to hopefully being in your city next, uh, next spring. Yes. Well, hopefully that the crisis will will cooperate with us instead of work against us. Oh, I hope so, too. I hope yeah, so. That's a sake, wonderful, wonderful venue that you've uh, signed up for as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm certain my wife and I will be down there early on to celebrate during the weekend inside the city.
2: Good, good. Well, shoot me an email. I'll give you some some restaurants to consider. Oh, wow. go. do that.
0: <clears throat> now you're talking our language.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. God okay. bless you, man. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Won't you be, won't you be,
1: won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) Oh, man, I should have seen that coming.
0: (laughs) My best Mr. Rogers imitation as we've been encouraged to take on the personality traits of Mr. Rogers in this uh, podcast. I'm not making fun of that. I think he's right. Uh, Alan, what'd you you gather in this podcast that... uh, you really appreciate
1: it. Uh, wow. Well, what I appreciated uh, was just the idea here of him <clears throat> casting a vision for gentleness and casting a vision for our, the people of God being irresistible because they love the kingdom of God and our King more than we love our political stances and our political parties. Yeah. Um, and and to realize and t- but at the same time to say it's great to be affiliated with a party. It's great to be involved in those things as long as they don't define us, that Jesus and his truth define us.
0: Yeah. Good way to put it, Alan. Appreciate that. So um, thanks for listening. Glad to have you back for season four. And we hope you'll share this podcast with others in any way you possibly can. Which is also including Spotify. Don't forget we're on Spotify now.
1: Spotify, one of my favorite things. I don't even know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) This This is not the sound of music. You don't have to recite your list of favorite things.
0: (laughs) I am so culturally connected. But I can sing Mr. Rogers songs. So anyway, (laughs) thanks for being with us. We're looking forward to a great nine more episodes this season. We hope you'll be with us from beginning to end. We'll see you next time on episode two. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.